0: We gather uh, this day in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and we are here uh, to worship our Almighty God, grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. Amen. I don't know if you can all see it from the back, but I got asked plenty of times today, why in the world is there a tent set up here? Why is there a tent set up? Well, You all got to go camping this summer, didn't you? You got to spend some time out in the great outdoors. I didn't get to go camping as much as I wanted to, and so this is where I spent the night last night. That's the plan. All right, that's a joke. I actually didn't spend the night here. I didn't spend the night here. I slept cozy in my bed, but just a question, a show of hands, Uh, how many of you here enjoy camping? Go ahead and raise your hand. You live in a good neck of the woods to be able to do such a thing as that. So another another question though, it, for those of you who like camping, how many of you are the are the people uh, who just hang a hammock between two trees and you just sleep in the hammock? Is that any of you out here? Our young people, they're all into the hammocking. It's become a verb, I think, even. How many of you are camper people? How many camper people we have here? Yeah, cush. kush. <laughs> How many of you are tent dwellers? Yes, I am a tent dweller myself. Uh, You know, I want to teach you today the biblical word in the Greek language for camping. All right? For camping. It's the word skenapo. All right? You want to say it? Skenapo? It might not actually be the word for camping, but it is the word literally to set up a tent. All right? So, this is what I did for you today. I set up a tent because what we read today in John chapter 1, verse 14, you can look at it again if you want. We read this The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. the word became flesh and dwelt among us the word became flesh and dwelt among us or it actually could be if, if I were saying it literally translating literally from the Greek language the word became flesh and set up a tent among us or from a different translation of the Bible called the message I don't know if you've ever heard of the message translation it's kind of a I don't know an easy to read English translation of the Bible Uh, that translation translates this passage like this the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood moved into the neighborhood so what's all this saying what does john mean when he says the word became flesh and dwelt among us well the word of god that's that's been in existence from the very beginning the word of god is eternal The word of God, as a church, we just studied Genesis. Twelve weeks ago, I preached on the creation, right? It was the simple word of God that spoke everything into existence. And so what John is saying is that in Jesus, when Jesus was born, he is this eternal word of God who took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. I like that message translation of the Bible, though. Jesus moved into your neighborhood imagine that for a minute imagine that for a minute jesus moved into your neighborhood i want to ask you today what do you think of that where do you see jesus living in your neighborhood do you do you see him at all I would go even farther than that, and I'd say, what about on your own property? What if Jesus, what if you see this truth as, what if you saw Jesus as setting up a tent on your front yard? (laughs) Would you let Jesus camp in your yard? How would you feel about that? And would you go a little bit further than that and not leave Jesus out in the cold, but would you invite Jesus into your home to actually live with you in your life and in your, in your every being? Well, whether you want it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, this is what Jesus says he does for those who believe in him. He moves into your neighborhood He sets up a tent in your front yard. And then he comes into your house. And he says, this is my house. And in this house, I want to give you a life that is better than whatever vain attempts at life you are trying to create for yourself. Jesus says, I want to move into your house. And I want to be life for your life. We're kicking off a fall theme this year at our church. Uh, as we do every year, we, we, we kind of start our fall season with a four-week fall kickoff. And our theme this year is this, this theme that we actually live in as a church. This theme, which is a bold statement, we are alive in Christ. This is the statement we live in as a church. And since 2013, I've taught on this phrase and these materials I greet you on Sunday mornings by saying what a great day it is to be alive in Christ. It's printed in our bulletins. I sign my emails with this signature. But what does this mean? It's good for us to focus once again on these three simple words. And as we head into the year 2020, which I I believe we are poised as a church uh, to take more steps forward in faith together, it's good for us to be on the same page To have a a clarity of our vision, you could say, or, you know, to have a simple play on words to have 2020 vision. It's good for us to be very clear about who we are as Christian people, who we are as a church, and what it means for us as we live our lives as people who are alive in Christ. Alive in Christ. Alive in Christ. What do you... Think about your life. <laughs> That's a really big, generic kind of question. But let me let me specify it a little more. Why are you here? And I don't just mean in the field today. I mean in existence. How'd you get here? How'd you get here? Who gave you life? Who who taught you what it is that you know? What purpose do you even have for your existence in this? creation do you ponder those questions ever maybe you maybe you're here and maybe you don't spend much time thinking about those questions maybe you're too distracted in life maybe you're too busy maybe you're just grinding through life and not paying attention to what jesus is doing in your neighborhood remember i told you he's camping in your front yard he is whether you acknowledge it or not Jesus is in your front yard do you see him there do you acknowledge his existence do you invite him into your house for dinner children do you invite Jesus to get with you on the school bus and go to school with you do you invite him to join you in your place of work Or do you just have the blinders on and quickly you scurry into your car in the garage, you open the door, you back out as quick as you can so that guy in the tent in the front yard doesn't see you and you can leave before he notices? And then when you come back home, you you quickly open the garage door, drive in and hope he doesn't get a chance to say hello and ask you what you're doing? A lot of us live lives distracted, busied, hurried, stressed out, anxious, worried. That's how a lot of you live. And I'll be honest, that's how Satan wants you to live. We do believe, we do believe that, that Satan wants nothing more than to pull us away from the good truths of Jesus. That's, that's what he does. And so what Satan does in our lives is he keeps us distracted. Do you know this? I mean, how often in your life, not just this one hour on Sunday morning, how often in your life are you fully present with God, who is with you? How often do you just, oh, I'm I'm here, Lord, all of me, speak. How often do you do that? How often are you actually fully present with your families, with those who are close to you? How often are you actually fully present in your workplace for the sake of the people that you are working with? I think so many of us just live life distracted and busy. And I think this is what Satan wants us to be like. He wants us to think that we just just gotta run hard for this season and on the other side of this season will be a better season where there will be peace but all we find is that the running keeps going. Satan does that to us. I'll I'll be brutally honest about that, and I hope you know this. He wants you to live life clouded, stressed out, anxious, worried, and so much more. So much so that you don't even notice Jesus camping in your neighborhood. Satan would love you to think that that tent in your front yard is just a lawn ornament that you just got to mow around, right? You just, I don't know what that is. I'll just leave it and deal with it later, right? I don't have to talk to him now. That's what Satan does in our lives. Here's the deal, though. When we make the bold statement, we believe that we are alive in Christ. We are affirming a biblical truth. And here's what the Bible says in, in multiple places. It says that while we were yet still dead in our sins, incapable of doing anything for ourselves, Jesus came for us. Let me say that again. The Bible says that while we were incapable of saving ourselves, incapable of doing anything right or good, God came for us to be right and good for us, to make us alive in Christ. This is the beauty of what Jesus does for us. This is what it means when Jesus moves into your neighborhood. Jesus comes for you when you least expect it and when you least deserve it. In the midst of your sin and your brokenness, in, your, in the midst of your rebellion against him, Jesus comes to meet you right there and say, I love you. Let me show you what life looks like in my name. You know, if it were up, if it were up to you to save yourself, how good would you be at it? Let me let me put it like this: if I said to you, If I said to you, I want you to make your dwelling place with God. Or even more so, I want you to move into God's house. How would you do it? No, there's no camping on church property. You can't say, I'm going to put up my tent in the sanctuary. How would you, if I said, you got to move into God's house, how would you do it? The answer is you can't. You can't. So this is the truth of the statement that that Jesus instead comes to make his dwelling place among you. Because you and I can't work our way to him. Even your greatest attempts and mine at living a life pleasing to him are still riddled with poor and miserable sins. And I admit that myself. I admit that I am a sinner, fully incapable of pleasing My Almighty God. This is the truth. And so, what we read today Jesus comes to us. Jesus moves into our lives, and Jesus promises a life that is so full, so rich, so beautiful, something so much different than this world can offer you. Jesus promises to give us a better life. And His offer is actually good because Jesus is alive risen from the dead he died on the cross to forgive you and me for disrespecting him he died on the cross to forgive us for forgetting about him he died on the cross to forgive us when we are distracted and we put the blinders on and we don't want to acknowledge his presence he died for you to forgive all of that and then he rose taking life back on himself. He truly is alive and he's prepared for us a way to eternal life. And this is the truth. Eternal life is not just out there somewhere that you get when you die. Eternal life is yours now. As a child of God, the statement, I am alive in Christ means I believe that even now, My life is so wrapped up in the eternity that's provided for me. I am a loved child of God. You are forgiven and set free to live in the name of Jesus Christ. This is good news, and I pray that you see it as such. This is starkly different. Christianity is starkly different than any other world religion or any other philosophy or any other way of living. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. Maybe you've thought and you said, "What is different about Christianity than all the other options out there? Aren't they all the same?" There is something starkly different, and it is this. It is this essentially. This truth that I've been preaching to you. Any other world religion or philosophy or way of living, even, basically says that you would have to make yourself right. You got to work hard. Make yourself good and moral. If you've got some God, it's to please that God. Or to just have a good life and be a good person, as some people would say. But at the end of the day, it's all up to you, right? Christianity is just starkly different. It's an upside-down thing because the difference of Christianity is that God comes for us. While we are unable, incapable, broken, sinful, dead in our sin, Christ dies for us. That's the difference. It really is. So which one would you prefer? Which seems to set you free and forgive you? I've tried myself to to live a good life, to even be perfect, and live up to God's standards, and I fail miserably all the time. And so I've just said, Lord, I give up. I surrender to you, and I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you, Lord, to, to give me the life that I cannot earn on my own. I need your forgiveness, God, today, tomorrow, and every day. This is the difference. This is the difference. And, and I believe that when we see that shift and we go, Lord, Lord, take me. Take all that I all that I have and all that I am. All of a sudden, our eyes are open. And we see that tent in the front yard. And all of a sudden, we go, whoa, Jesus! <laughs> You're in my yard. (laughs) Come on in. Come on into my house. I would love for you to be here with me, Jesus, at all times. And I tell you once again, once again, that Jesus is with you around your dinner tables, whether you know it or not, whether you invite him there or not. He's there. He's around your dinner tables. Jesus is there with you when you lay your head down at night. The Bible says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. Jesus is the one who holds your hand when you are sick and he sits by your bedside when you are dying he is the one who is with you as you grieve the death of your loved ones and Jesus is the only one who's risen from the dead who will see you through to the other side to the life everlasting when he comes again and he says to you now you are truly and fully alive in Christ forever wake up good and faithful servant. Welcome to eternity. This is perfection. This is heaven. And it's all for you. What a good and glorious day that will be. And until that day comes, we boldly proclaim we are alive in Christ now and forever. So my invitation to you is that you would visually see yourself setting up your life at the foot of the cross. Saying to Jesus, I'm here, Lord. I want you to go with me wherever I go. And Lord, send me wherever it is that you want to send me. I'll go, Lord. I want my life to be fully yours. I want to be fully present with you just as you are fully present with me. I want to live that way in my life, with my family, and with my coworkers, and in my neighborhood. And we'll talk more about that over the coming three weeks. My dear friends, Jesus woke you up to life today i I truly believe that he's already graced your life with all the daily provisions it's so simple as air to breathe and and he goes above and beyond that and he gives you the gift of eternal life i don't know what you've got in store for the rest of the day but i hope you join us inside we're gonna have some food we cranked up the air conditioning so that when you go in you won't feel the temperature shift all right I'm just kidding. I think it'll be warmer in there. All right, when we go inside, we're gonna eat some food. I pray you stick around and enjoy the day. But whatever you got after that, I don't know. I don't know what you're going on. I don't know what you have planned. But I know one thing is true: Jesus goes with you, for you are alive in Christ. In His name, Amen.